Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Thank you so much again for all your wishes and uh, your kind wishes for my birthday. Um, okay, I get very a bit more on my birthday one, <laughs> ever since I turned older. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was thinking on, th- uh, on my birthday, well, before my birthday, I was like, God, actually I was thinking, wow, it's coming to the end of January already. Um, I was like, God, it just flew by. Next Thursday is 31st of Jan, and a month has flew by, literally. I, I was like, I was telling Pastor Dave, it, it's so fast. Like, January passed by just like that. He's like, no, it's not. Because for those of you who do not know, we just got a dog, we just got a puppy, and he's like, taking care of the puppy is the longest one month of my life. So we have different concept of what is fast of the January. But even I was thinking about, even I was thinking about, hey, January just gone just like that. Yeah. Literally, uh, maybe the start of the year has been busy. Maybe all of different ones of you have, uh, different ones of you have been working, you go straight back to work. And it feels like after holidays, it's over and it's back to the work and everyone's like, I want this now, I want this now, the deadline must be now. Maybe some of you who are going through exams, I felt like January just went by because you're just busy studying for your exams. And sometimes, and I was just reflecting, and I'm like, when we talk about in line with the team of the church, which is good for this year, I was like, God, have I really experienced, have I begun to experience what the psalmist say, come and taste that the, that the Lord is good? Have I begun to experience more of the goodness of God in my life? Or is it just the same as last year? You know, I was like, you know, because the team of the church is good, and because when we come to under the under under the uh, when we come to acts, you know, uh, by virtue of the team is being good, it flows down. Anointing, the, the the anointing of God flows through the church, and and I was like, God, I want to experience that, and I felt, and if I was honest with myself, and I did a reflection on myself, I was like, God, I, I don't think so. I felt as if it was just the same last year. I felt like I didn't progress. I didn't really taste more. I didn't really taste more of the goodness of God. And I began to ask God, God, what is it about it? What is it about me that I need to change? What is it about me that, God, that I need to improve, that I need to improve and work on myself, that I can begin to taste more of you? You know, and um, God began to show me in my life, uh, and uh, God began to show me in my life what, what areas in my life that I need to begin to work on. And I believe that God, even as I was preparing for message today, I believe that some of us here may be going through the different things as well. And I believe God wants to just uh, wants us to work on these areas. Amen. Amen. And the three things I'm going to share with you is this: the first is perception, the second is familiarity, and the last point is that uh, worry or slash anxiety. Amen. Uh, before uh, we get into the word of God today, uh, why don't you just allow me to say? Uh, Turn to scripture. Will you just allow me to pray? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, Lord, we thank you again for this time, God, together. God, we thank you again for your word, oh Father God. God, we thank you that your word is living. We thank you that you are living, oh Father God. And I pray that even as we open up your word, will you begin to speak to us, begin to use your word as a mirror into our lives, oh Father God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you all begin to turn with me to Mark chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. Give me a shout when you guys are there. (laughs) <laughs> I heard one amen Okay, I know it's there on the screen <laughs> Okay, let's begin to read this together 
Uh, I'm reading from my version, which is the NLT, which says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began to teach. He began teaching in the synagogue, and many who had heard him were astonished. They asked him, where did, he go, where did he get all his wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? He's just the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honoured everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick, on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. You now here, the scripture talks about how Jesus returned to Nazareth. You know, uh, Jesus, I, I, before this, Jesus was doing different miracles already in different parts of the in different parts in different villages. And here he was. I believe you know, like when Jesus went back to Nazareth, he had a heart. I mean, it was his hometown. I'm sure he, he knew the people there. And he, I'm sure he had a heart to like, hey, I want to pour out my power. I want to pour out my healing. I want to pour out what I have in store for, for the people of Nazareth. But scripture actually says that he was deeply amazed at their unbelief. Uh, we learned about this a couple of times when Pastor Dave shared with us, like sometimes God can be amazed as well. Uh, he can be amazed at good things. He was amazed at the centurion when the, um, the story of the centurion, and he's like, "Wow, I've never seen such faith." But this time, he was amazed in a different, opposite manner. He was amazed at actually at their unbelief. I was like, "Wow, God, actually, you can be amazed at their unbelief." And I was like, just reading through scripture, I was like, "God, what is it about them that actually caused them not to?" That G you know, scripture actually says that because of their unbelief, that he couldn't work any more mighty miracles. Because Jesus had so much more in store, but Jesus said, I can't do it. I can't work any more miracles. It's not that he didn't want to. He wanted to, but he couldn't anymore because of their unbelief. And I was beginning to examine uh, the response of the people. Actually, what was their response that Jesus couldn't work any more miracles? And if you turn with me to verse, to verse 3, he says that the first part of it is perception. Verse 3 says that people responded, he says that he is just the carpenter. He is just the carpenter. And if you turn on to verse 2 before this, the people actually were saying that while many of them who were hearing him were astonished, that means they actually knew there was something different about Jesus. One verse before, they actually said, wow, where did he get, where did he get all this wisdom? You know, um, how come there were such mighty acts that were performed by him? They recognized that he was different. How come one verse later, they can switch just like that? One verse, just one verse. And then I was like, God, what is it about it? And the first point is this, perception. You know, perception. You know, they recognized there was something different about Jesus, but they couldn't see him the way that he, want, he needed to be seen. They saw him in a different light. You know, um, what I was thinking, what, Jesus, what happens if he, maybe if Jesus was, came out from the line of Pharisees? You know, people who are religious, the religious teachers, would they have accepted him better? Maybe. Maybe it's, that it's all about perception. Perception is how do we see something. You know, perception actually shapes us because it actually um, helps, it actually, how we perceive something is actually how we react to something, isn't it? 
for example, I was just thinking about perception, right? Um, I was just reminded, because um, it's my birthday on Thursday, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> many years ago, many years ago, uh, when me and Pastor Dave just started dating, okay, I was a brat then, I was really, really a brat, okay? <laughs> he was like, okay, uh, he be, I think it was our first year, right? Yeah, it was my first year, and he's like, I was working, he's like, okay, I'll pick you up from work. Uh, we're going to celebrate your birthdays at this restaurant. Okay, for some weird reason beyond me, I got so angry at him when he said, we're going to celebrate our, your birthday at this restaurant. I was like, no, that restaurant's really bad. Then he's like, but I heard it's really good. I said, no, it's really bad. And we got in a huge fight. <laughs> we got into a huge fight on my birthday because I, I'm like, he's like, how do you know it's bad? You haven't been before. And I was like, yeah, actually, I haven't been before, but in my head, I heard bad stuff about it. In my head, I thought it was a very common restaurant that I'm like, hey, it's my birthday. It's supposed to bring me to a nicer restaurant. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he's like, but I heard it's a nice restaurant. I said, yeah, but not on my birthday. I heard the food's bad. But can I be honest? I haven't tried the food before. I haven't. Hey, don't laugh. <laughs> Confession time. <laughs> I haven't tried the food before, but it's, I perceived that the restaurant was bad because I don't know why in my head I thought it was just bad. And because of that, I reacted. I reacted in a really, really... If I was honest about it, don't gloat. Uh, if I was honest about it, <laughs> I, I reacted in such a childish manner. Uh, and maybe Pastor Dave had such a uh, different plans planned out for that night, but because of my reaction, I spoiled it. I literally spoiled that my own birthday celebration. And likewise, I was like, oh. And I, I, many times I'm like, that is just my perception towards a restaurant. But many times, God was asking me, how do you perceive me today? You know, how do we perceive God today? You know, when we talk about the team, that God is good, do we truly believe that God is good in our hearts? You know, maybe some of us, we grew up in a more uh, we grew up in different environments. Maybe in our heart, sometimes in our head, back of our head, we think, God, are you truly good? You know, how come? Maybe I, some of us are scared that if we give more to God, He will take more away from us or He will demand from us something more for us. You know, uh, when I was younger, I was so scared to pray for something that I wanted because I was scared, God, if I prayed for it, God, you won't answer me and instead you will say no to me and I'm like, God, how? And that, sometimes that's the perception that we have of God in our heads. But can I ask you, tell you today that God is truly good. You know, uh, we need to experience God for Himself, but can I say, how do we perceive God today? Is He really good in our eyes? Is He really good in our hearts? You know, because if He's truly good, then we'll be able to respond in a way that is good, in a way that, in a way that, um, in a way that's worthy of Him. You know, maybe some of us here, we need to graduate beyond just thinking that He is good, but is He more than good? Is he, for me, I was like, God, what is it? You know, I know you're good, but God said, ask me this, do you truly believe that I can heal? Because if I truly believe that you can heal, I'll begin to react in a way that I, when I pray, I really believe that He can heal. Many of us, sometimes we know in our heads, but do we truly believe that? Do we truly see God as that? You know, uh, can I, uh, maybe it's different perception, different ways of perceiving things is, how do we perceive a situation that we are going through today? Do we see it as just, a um, God, why are you bringing me through such a tough time? Or do we really see it as an opportunity for God to come through for us? 
you know, if I bring you to, you don't have to turn to scripture to me today, but if you go back and read Numbers 13, verse 25 to 33, you know, here are Moses, um, Moses told his people, they were in the wilderness, and Moses told, he, told his people, God told Moses to select 12 men to go out and spy on the land of Canaan. Uh, he said, this is the land that I'm going to give to you. Send out 12 spies and see how the land is. And Moses here, he, he gave, um, he, he sent out 12 men, with very specific instructions. Go and see the land. See how much, is it full of, uh, land full, flowing of milk and honey. See what fruit is there. See the stall there. See the people there. See whether it's fortified or not, so that whether we can come in and conquer it. 12 men went, 10 men came back, and 10 men came back and told Moses, Moses, Truly, it's a land full, flowing of milk and honey. No, we brought fruit back. Uh, we can, like, the fruit here is amazing. But, but, they came back and said, but the people there, the, the, the cities were actually fully fortified. They were fully gated. And the people there were massive. We felt like grasshoppers in their sight. So they perceived that. But Caleb and Joshua came out and said, no, yeah, they are. But I believe that God has called us to be, called us to conquer it. We can do it. But the other 10 men couldn't see it that way. They saw the situation so differently. And then because of that, they went around the people of Israel and they said, no, you haven't seen what we've seen. And everyone began to panic. They told Moses, Moses, I'm not going to that land. Because if, um, if you want to send me to that land, I'd rather go back to Egypt. Well, can you imagine the power of influence of that 10 and God was so upset that he told them, hey, you, the, ten, the, the rest of you, you are not going to enter in the promised land because of your reaction. Can you see how powerful perception is? See, the perception of the two, Joshua and Caleb, affected how they reacted. And because of that, they actually managed to enter into the promised land. You know how many of you, what, maybe some of us here, we're going through a different, difficult situation. Do we see it through just... God, why is this happening to me? Or do we see it through opportunities for faith for God to come through? No, come on, let's begin to look at it differently this year. No, to taste the goodness of God, we cannot just look at it with just, the, just that mindset that God, I'm just, it's just a tough time. But come on, let's see it as an opportunity for God to come and move in your life. Amen? No, maybe some of us here, you know, sometimes uh, you come to church and you hear different pre preachers preaching and you're like, but like Pastor Dave, okay, I'll use you for example. <laughs> Pastor Dave say, hey, come on time to church. And you'd be like, ah, oh, Pastor, you're very naggy. You're like my parents. <laughs> but then how many, sometimes when we perceive that as a nag, we don't react to it well. But you never know actually that small power in what we're saying. Come on, let's perceive the things of God in the right way. You know, even as I was reading this, um, even as I was reading this, one person that came to my mind that reacted to God in such a powerful way was Peter. You know, if you turn, uh, you won't have to turn to it, but I think the screen will, uh, the, will flash the words behind you. It says in Matthew 16, verse 13 to 20, Jesus was asking uh, Peter, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Do you, he said, then he said, then Peter in verse 16 says this, you are Christ, the son of the living God. His words were so specific. He says, you are Christ. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus go on and said, uh, because of your confession, you will go on to build churches. And because Peter understood and perceived and recognized that God was the Son of living God, he went on, if you read the books of Acts, he went on to 
preached to the 3,000 where 3,000 got saved. He was there when the Holy Spirit came. You know, if you read the book of Acts, he was there to perform many miracles. He was there that brought the Gospels out beyond, beyond Israel to the, to the different parts of the world. But I believe that he could only do it because he perceived that God was the Son of the, the, the Messiah. The words were very specific. He said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Come on. You know, this year, even as... Um, Let's not just let 2019 pass you by. But come on, let's begin to change our perception. You know, is there a perception issue that we have? Let's begin to ask God, hey God, will you help me to perceive you in the right manner? Will you help me to perceive you even deeper than I can ever imagine? Amen? Amen. The next, verse is, the next point is this, and we'll still draw the same principles from Mark 6. The second thing that God was challenging me was like, hey, I think you become a bit too familiar. You become a bit too familiar. You know, here, uh, if you read Mark 6, Jesus returned to Nazareth, right? And sometimes, you know, many of us know that most of us here are living away from your family. Um, I remember the first time, uh, and maybe here you felt like, oh, I'm in London on my own. I've grown up, you know, uh, I, can cook on my mom, um, I can cook on my own, mom. I can do my own laundry, mom. I can, what else can you do on your own? I can study on my own, mom, without you to nag me. <laughs> and we felt that we have grown up. We felt that we have matured. Uh, emotionally, we felt that intellectually we have grown up. We felt like, hey, when I left home, I was still a kid, but now I've grown up. And you, when you go back home, you're like, God, I, you know, you, you, there's something within us that want our parents to recognize that about us. I remember the first time I went home, I was, like, my mom was like, why are you still the same? <laughs> I was like, mom, you don't know what I went through. <laughs> and I, I believe that when Jesus went back, I believe that people looked at him the same way because they were so familiar with him. No, can I turn back to Mark chapter 6 again? He says this. They didn't just say he was just a carpenter. He says that, isn't he the son of Mary? Isn't he the brother of James, Judas, Joseph, and Simon? And were his sisters not with us? So that means it denotes that they thought Jesus was just one of them. No, Jesus lived among them, so he was just one of them, and they could not accept that he was God. You know, um, because if you see the next verse, he says that they were offended at him. I was like, God, why, why were they offended at him? Words come to words, just reject him. But the scripture says they were offended at him. And I believe that was because they, they couldn't accept something that grew, someone they grew up with. You no, know, maybe his friends, they played whatever games they played as boys with at 12 years old. And they're like, how come you're different from us? How come? No, 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 you cannot be God. Because you cannot be God and talks about because there's something called familiarity, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know, I remember, um, and even I was thinking about this, um, God began to show me this, um, this picture. You know, um, most of us here live in London, and we are, uh, if you're, uh, we are very blessed to have, a lot of people come to London for their tourist sites, right? And every time my friends come to London, we bring them hosts around. To be honest, after a while, I get bored. <laughs> I'm going back to the same old tourist sites. Um, for example, the first time you went to Buckingham Palace, you'd be like, whoa, this is Buckingham Palace, that's amazing. I always wanted to come here the second time. All right, third time, yeah, sure, here. <laughs> I think we've been enough. A lot of our friends have come enough times, right? Every time we bring them, the first time we're like, yeah, they like, they have that almost that excitement uh, when they see it for the very first time. For me, it's like, okay, um, I think I remember one time, I said, here's the palace. 
I'm going to sit there, you just take the photos you want. Because <laughs> I was so bored, I think it was my fifth or sixth time already. I was like, you guys do what you want, I hope you take pictures, but uh, I'm really bored, I'm really bored. But, and God began to ask me like, have you become, have I become so familiar with God that I show Him the same expression? <laughs> have you become so familiar with the gospel that it loses that amazement? You know, the first time, I mean, many of us here, we don't want to go to the sites in London anymore. We want to go beyond to different parts of Europe because we want to be amazed at the different sites. And, but God even asked me today, asked me this question, have we ceased to be amazed at Him again? You know, um, have, I, have, have I ceased to be amazed at His salvation? Have I ceased to forget that He died on that cross for me? It wasn't easy that pain that he had to go through, but he still died for me anyway. Have I ceased to be amazed that, God, you gave me a hope, you gave me identity, you gave me confidence. Have I ceased to be amazed that, or is my face, when I talk about the goodness of God, about the, good, the salvation of God, is it the same face I show my friends when I travel with them to the sites of London? Is it just, yeah, sure, here you go. Is it because something that I've taken for granted? The thing about familiarity is this, you hear this, we hear this phrase before, isn't it? Familiarity breeds contempt. But another word I want to say is that familiarity also breeds complacency. Now, when we become familiar with something, we become very complacent about it, isn't it? For example, um, most of you who are staying with your parents, your mom who cooks for you, you are used to having food on the dinner, uh, dinners being served to you every day, for example. Uh, after a while, you're like, oh, okay. You forget even thank your mom about it because it's become something normal, expected of your parents. That's complacent because you're not being thankful anymore. And likewise, when we become complacent to the things of God, have we lost that? Have we lost that spark for God? Have we lost God? Like, I want to pursue you more. I want to do more for you. No, that's talking about complacency. No, the other thing that God began to ask me was this, you know, um, not just complacency with Him, but all of us have our routine, isn't it, in our daily life. For those of you who are working, I can tell you your routine. Monday morning, you'll be like, God, I don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> I, okay, I, speaking for myself, I'm like, God, I don't want to get out of bed. Ten more minutes on my snooze button. Then I get up, go to work, hope to get through Monday. Leave early on a Monday if I can. <laughs> and then start on Tuesday, go to work, come back, start Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Go through the whole same routine. Then Saturday for me, I go to Bristol. Maybe different ones of us go for brunch. Sunday, we come to church. Um, have lunch after that, chill. That's our routine, isn't it? For those of you who are studying, maybe Monday, lecture 9 a.m. Maybe I don't go. <laughs> or maybe you're very hardworking. You're very hardworking. Okay, all the people here are very hardworking. You will go for class. <laughs> Tuesday, maybe an hour lecture in between. Wednesday, you guys finish classes before by one, right? Yeah, by one, you guys are done. Thursday, maybe I'll go for a couple lectures more. Friday, yay, I'm free, for example. I don't know all your schedules. Saturday, maybe I'll hang out with my friends, go to Chinatown for dim sum. Sunday, come to church. And that's a routine. There's nothing wrong with routine, but God began to ask me, will you allow me room in your routine? Sometimes we're so busy with routine. Sometimes we're so familiar with our routine that we go through the motions. But God was like, how am I expected to move? 
how do you want me to move if that's just your routine? And I was just reminded of this even yesterday when we were at Bristol. So when we go to Bristol, we take the train back, right? And the last two weekends already, every time we walk through the train station, I think we see a homeless man outside the train station. And a few times, me and Pastor Dave were like, I didn't tell him, he didn't tell me, but we felt like almost like the Holy Spirit, like, hey, uh, just give him something. Whatever spare change you have, just give it to him. And sometimes, I think the first weekend, Pastor Dave did, because I didn't have change. The second weekend, Pastor Dave did as well. <laughs> and yesterday, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. Because I was just so focused on, I need to get to my train on time. That I forget to allow room for God to move in my routine. No, don't get up. God was challenging me. Come on, don't get up. I know all of us here are busy. You know, whether, be, whether you're studying or working, all of us are busy. But don't get up caught up in just a routine that you forget to make room for God to move in it. You know, I was like, yeah, right. God, what is it? You know, be, 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 don't be so familiar with the routine, but come on, let's open our hearts and allow God to come and move. No, maybe God will challenge you. Hey, reach out to your friend. Don't be caught up in the routine. No, but allow, make room in your, in your space, in your heart, for God to move. Amen? Amen. The last point is this. Even as I was thinking about, God, why haven't I experienced more yet? Uh, I really want to experience you more. And, um, and God began to ask me, God began to show me this as well. Okay, and the last one is worry. Okay, it's not related to Mark 6, so you don't worry about Mark 6 now. Um, okay, for those of you who don't know me, I am quite the natural worrier. Don't laugh. <laughs> Pastor Dave is like smirking at me. He's like, yeah, I know, I know. And maybe the different ones of, here, different ones of us here, we worry about different things. Uh, maybe for you, who, those of you who are doing the bar exams, you're like, can I pass my bar? I'm worried about the exams that are coming up. For those of you who are looking for a job, you'll be like, Oh God, can I get a job? What's going to happen to me after I graduate? For those of you who are working, uh, maybe it's just different office politics. Or am I progressing in my career as I should? Am I getting the kind of work that I should to progress in my career? Am I getting the right jobs? And all of us have different worries. You know? uh, but God is saying that, you know, and I'm like that. Um, some people worry more than others. I am those who worry more than others. Uh, and I thought I've learned to manage it, to be honest. I've thought I've learned to manage it, but um, I remember towards the end of last year, uh, I had this terrible, terrible transaction that I didn't know how to handle. Um, it was that type of transaction where we were 100 over emails going through a day, that kind of thing. I was like, oh God, I'm so worried. I don't know how to do this. And I was so stressed. I was so stressed that I couldn't sleep. Of course, yeah, Pastor Dave probably knew. I couldn't sleep. And uh, God began to show me like, hey, see, that's what worry does to you. You know, um, it wasn't just about that foul. It wasn't just about work. But worry was really begin to weigh me down. You know, I started thinking about it. Okay, what happens if it's this, it's this, it's this? How will I react? And it starts to consume me from the inside. It starts to like, when I sleep, I think about it. When I wake up, I'm like, God, I don't know how to do it. And God began to show me like, hey, some of us here, maybe we're just so preoccupied with worrying about our future, with different things that we have to worry about that it begins to weigh us down, that we can't receive the Word of God. You now, if you read Proverbs 12, verse 25, says this, anxiety weighs down the heart. You now, maybe some of us here, you be coming to church, you're like, yeah, I shouldn't worry, and you're like, yeah, you know that you need to allow the Word of God to change you. But even Matthew 13, verse 22, it says this, the talk, talk, when Jesus was talking about the different grounds, Jesus, uh, the, 
He says this, the thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news, but all too quickly the message is out by the cares of this life. And it talks about really worry. And I was like, and the thing is about worry, I found a few things about it. When you worry about one thing, it opens up the door to many, many different areas of your life. It's not just that area, but it opens up to many areas of our life. So for example, I was worried about my work, which is stupid to worry about. But next thing I know, at the end of the year, we're getting a dog, right? I was like, God, can we handle a dog? I'm like, God, what happens if it's this? What happens if I don't like the dog? Okay, I know it's just a dog, but... You know, and, and I think Pastor Dave was like, it's okay, chill. We'll take it one day at a time. And I, I think I got so worried that I started having... What was I having? I was having some reaction. Lah. Then um, I was having some things, and I was like... And it stopped me from enjoying that moment. You know, I wasn't, even though I was on my year-end Christmas break, I couldn't enjoy it because I was just so preoccupied with just worrying about different things. You know, and God says today to you, God today wants to challenge us today, whether it be in your individual lives. Come on, let's not worry, but let's more... Uh, you know, the scripture clearly addresses it. You know, if you turn with me to Matthew 6, 25, 24... God says this, So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them and you are far more valuable to Him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as there are. And God so cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't He surely care more for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs and He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for Him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. No, and I, as I was praying, God, like, how do I overcome this. And God began to show me, actually it's really in scripture. The scripture says this, uh, make, the God, make the kingdom of God your primary concern. You know, many things we worry about, actually if you're honest, is per pertaining to yourself. It's all about what if I, what if I, what if I. But God clearly says this, even as you make the kingdom of God your priority, He will add all these things onto you. Amen? No, even as I was thinking about it, and God began to show me again, you know, like how uh, many people ask me, how do you get a job here? And I was just reminded again of God's goodness and of God's testimony. You know, um, many of you here know I was working in KL in Malaysia for about five to six, six to seven years as a lawyer. And when I came over here, it wasn't really here, relocating here to get a job, but I was relocating here because uh, out of just obedience towards God uh, to answer His call uh, to build His church here. Of course, at the same time, I was like, God, I would love to get a job here. You know, it's my dream. It's my dream to work here in London as a lawyer. That's, you know, that's, that's where you study, right? And I was looking, can I be honest? I was looking for two years. I sent out lots of resumes. I sent out, made lots of calls. And I got zero, literally zero. I got a few calls, but it didn't turn out to anything, right? And, God began, and I remember that time I thought... I was worried because I was like, God, what happens? Taking two years out of my career, how am I going to justify to my future employees? It looks really bad on my CV. 
is my skills going to be up to scale? How, God? How, 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 how? And I remember it came to that point where I began to, I, I just started worrying until I couldn't sleep. Literally, I couldn't sleep at night. I'll wake up at 3 in the morning, just stare into space and text my friends in Malaysia. Hello, what are you doing? <laughs> because this is <laughs> afternoon there. It's morning there. And I'll be like, hey guys, what are you guys doing? And they're like, please go to sleep. I'm like, I can't sleep. Uh, and I couldn't sleep. And um, I was just worrying. And that's what the Bible says, that worry begins to weigh you down. I knew the Word of God. I, 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 I knew the promises of God, but I couldn't, I couldn't receive it. That's why the Bible talks about the thorny ground. I, I knew it, but I just couldn't receive it. I was like, God, what is this? And then I felt, and then Pastor Gif kept saying, hey, but you didn't come here to get a job. We came here because we wanted to make, plan God's church. And I, I, I struggled with that for a long time, to be honest. I struggled with that for a year. And I think I finally came to that realization like, hey, it's, I, I can't struggle with this anymore. And I began to put more of my energy into sowing into God's church. I began to put more of my energy into serving His house. And that's when I began to find that the breakthrough came. You know, but that's why the Bible says, begin to make God's kingdom your priority. Begin to seek first His righteousness. You know, I remember this. Uh, I got a call from this recruiter. Uh, I've never talked to him in my life. I sent it to his colleague, and his colleague said, okay, I'll pass it on, which I thought, yeah, sure. You, that's what they all say, and I never get any response back, right? So I thought it was just one of those one of those calls. I just thought it was one of those calls. So I, 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 he said, uh, we have this opening in this firm. Will you want to go for it? I said, sure, uh, nothing to lose, right? But I think at that time, I'm just like, yeah, whatever, that kind of thing. And I went for the interview. It was great. Um, but I didn't, at that time, I really didn't have much hope for it. Uh, I was hopeful, but I didn't want to hope too much. Of course, I've, you know, after you get so many rejections, you're just like, oh, okay, I, I don't really want to hope anymore, that kind of thing. Went for the interview, it was great. They said, okay, I'm going to call you back for a second interview. Went for the second interview, it was great as well. And then within two days, they called back and said, hey, uh, we're here to offer you your job. So that's how I got my job. Um, but the thing is, when I called the recruiter, uh, and I was speaking to the recruiter on the Thursday. He said, congratulations, here's your job offer, here's your salary package, etc., etc." And he was, like, he was like, oh, by the way, actually, I'm going to retire tomorrow. So you are my last, you are my last successful case, so to say. And I was just re reflecting on this. I was like, wow, God, it's true, right? I was looking for it for so long. But until I put God's kingdom first, that's when God began to add. You know, having in this job for the last six months, can I say that it's just really been God sent. No, hours are great. My bosses are great. I love my job. I mean, it's busy, but I love it. But the thing, that's why the Bible says that, hey, don't just worry, but begin to make God His priority, His kingdom of God, His priority, and He begin to add on onto you. Amen? Amen. Come on, this year, can I just encourage you, church, let 2019, don't just let it pass you by. No, one month literally has just passed you by. But come on, let's begin to ask God, like, what do I need to change? What are things that I want to see? more of you in my life, to experience more of the goodness of God in my life. The thing about taste about this, right, is good is that once you taste the good, you can never go back to mediocre, right? And once you taste good, you'll be like, God, I want more good food. I can't go back to really bad food. So, example, if I bring it today to flat iron, you'd be like, oh, that's good steak. If I cook for you steak, you'd be like, that's really terrible steak. And you can't go back anymore. And likewise with the things of God, like, hey, come on, let's begin to ask God for the more. You know, don't go back to the 
don't go backwards but ask God for more. Let's begin to taste more of the goodness of God in our life. Amen? Amen. Now let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, again for your word, oh Father God. Lord, we pray, oh Father God, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you, first of all, that you are good, oh Father God. God, we thank you that God, that you are a good God and you have your cares over us, oh Father God. God, we pray, oh God, Lord, even as uh, twin, uh, even as we enter into the February, enter into February soon, oh God. God, I pray that you begin to use your word as a mirror into our hearts. God, if there are things that we need to change or our perception or improve our perception of you, I pray that you will help us, oh Father God. God, I pray that you will bring back to that place of amazement of you. God, and I pray that God, we continue to surrender all that we have onto your hands, oh Father God, because you are good, oh God. So God, we just thank you again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.